Previously on D&D Kinda. I believe that this is a different time. This is a coming of ages. This is a turning of chapters in the story of not only Neverwinter, but for all of Faerun. As you know, my first name is Bartholinud, and my last name is Ipsy. Brutusk. Fang. Seems we have a, uh, a lone dragon. Huh. A blue dragon and an orc. A good day for killing. I just swing down and to the right to, like, slash through his torso. It cuts through the plate armor, and you just see blood start to pour. I can assure you what I have on me is not worth your life. I was snatched as an egg from my home clan, and I was raised and studied on by a golden clan elder who was secretly attempting to find a way to merge all dragonborn powers to create the ultimate dragonborn. Our city of Besegu is not a big city. We're known for two things. The fish that the traders come and buy to take inland, and we're known for our musical prowess. And then he reaches back into his bag and he pulls out a flute. He reaches across the fire and hands it to you. Bartholomew leaves the, the keep. He rides his steed toward the edge of the city. Going through his mind is just thoughts about what is transpiring behind him. And as he rides off, he's just completely focused on his task and on getting out of the city. After surviving my sentence, I met a traveling priest. He took care of me. He brought me under his wing and he showed me the light. Never in my life have I ever looked back on the single day when I could have done something different. I know I did the right thing when I decided to leave. The city gates close behind you and you can still hear the hustle and the bustle of the town as they are in the middle of the festival of the harvest. You turn around and the guard bids you adieu as you slowly walk away from Neverwinter, Bartholomew. Tell us about your uh, tell us about your demeanor right now. You had turned around and you kind of left uh, left your companions in the middle of what was actually a bit of a heated moment um, with the nobleman. That's kind of the last that you had you had seen them. You you did your part in that that room. You did them a big favor. And you just turn around and walked out. Um, so what? What's your plan here? Where is there anything you wanted to tell everyone? What your what your demeanor is here? Where you're headed? Um, did did you lie to the guards? Because everyone, no one really knows exactly what's on your mind right now. Um, so if you just if you wanted to kind of go into that or how I don't know how much uh, detail you're willing to to divulge as to where you're actually going. Uh, would, but I'm assuming we'd get that of that anyway. So I would say to understand where Bartholinud is, you would also need to know where he came from. You know, Bartholinud was snatched as an eggling as a child and was raised with a clan that was not his own. 
he grew up as a black dragon in a clan of Goldens. So he's never really felt like he belonged where he was. He always felt like he was a loner. And then after the events in the, the um, border forest where many of his Golden Clan kin had fallen in that, in that battle, he came back single-handedly with you know, nothing to show of what had happened. And he was, he was kicked out of the Golden Clan. So from then on in his life, he literally was alone. And he had made some acquaintances over the course of his life, but he's always had the autonomy of being able to do whatever he wanted, really whenever he wanted to do it. And since he's been with this group, you know, he's, he's had a level of kinship, a, le- a level of camaraderie with other people who weren't family necessarily, but he grew to become quite accustomed to, you know, relying on them for support. And just the the way events has transpired, you know, all the effort that he put into trying to to steer situations to go into the favor of good for not only the good of the group, but for the good of Neverwinter and for all of Faerun, he never really felt like the level of effort he put in was ever seen on the result. So at his core, he has kind of reverted to his previous self where he is acting autonomously, probably inconsiderately of others. He has a conviction. He has made a decision and without consulting any of his peers, he takes action to do what he is convicted to do. So he leaves the group, even at what could be one of the most pivotal moments he tries to set them up for success and he screams at the crowd as, as he's leaving that to try to aid in the, in the message of, of the corruption that is the administration in Neverwinter to let the Neverwinter civilians know that, that, you know, those that have led, those that have led Neverwinter up until now have deceived them and that they should question the authorities. So he did everything that he could to try to make the situation as good as he could for his peers. But other than that, he just left. Didn't tell them where he was going, what he was doing, what was on his mind. He didn't consult them about what they thought about his course of action. He didn't want to talk. He wanted to do. So he did. And now he's leaving Neverwinter. He's leaving his, the people that he's called his friends for so many days now. He, is closer to them than he is even people in the golden clan. And his goal is to find out a little bit more about the single person that changed his life the most about the person that he called father. He was a priest. He had met him on the road when he was traveling with the carnival and he became a father figure. He this priest really guided Bartholinude into a good path, like a righteous path, the path of the paladin. And Bartholinude didn't just want to act as a paladin. He had internal issues, very fundamental conflicts that really propelled him to want to try to do better for himself because he had always been alone. So it was all up to him. He was the only one that could change his future. 
So now he wants to try to reconnect with what, what he found before. And even though his father, this father had, this priest had passed away, he wants to try to go to his home and find out more about, about why that priest believed in him. Find out why that priest took the time and the effort to change Bartholomew for what he believes to be better. And he would like to try to find some closure on... So he knows that black dragons are evil. He knows that they're fundamentally influenced to do wrong. And he's, he's had that, that push, that drive. You know, he wants to... It's almost like a chaotic aspect of his consciousness that just wants to destroy and act out and and bring damnation to the things that he's involved in. But his his self-control has been what's guided him into the light of good and into and that's what's created him to be the paladin he is today. And that's where, you know, a lot of people who they see a black dragon, they don't think that he's a paladin. But he does have that that sense of righteousness. He wants to understand why this priest would try to do something good for something that's natively evil. And if he knows he's not going to be able to talk to him, he's no, he's not, he knows he's not going to be able to get the answer he deserves because the truth didn't survive. The truth died with his father, but he wants to go back and look for any sort of clues, try to find someone who might've known him maybe find some way that he can search himself for the answers that he might not even be able to remember. So that's his plan. Bartholomew sets off from Neverwinter and heads straight for Besegu. He has a single self-assigned mission to seek the truth, if not within the world, then within himself. Okay. Um, on that on that same token, I know that the, now that we're like into in Bartholomew's mind here, I do have a question. Um, do you feel that the way that Bartholomew is feeling in this moment has been in any way influenced by what had taken place with the Golden Clan Elder and the way that that all had transpired? So not only from just the simple fact that Bartholomew had been pushing himself more and more and more towards the light of good. And at the point in time where he has the chance to make a difference, Bartholomew made a, you know, a critical error or a, you know, a fundamental mistake that, you know, that defied the way that the paladin in him would act, which led to a seal being broken. Do you feel that this has played a hand in why Bartholomew feels the way that he does? I don't think he acknowledges that what he did was a mistake or that it was him going back on his old ways. That impulse has the, the impulse to act out and to defy and to be evil is just so fundamentally ingrained in his physiology, you know, that, and that that's really from a scientific perspective, that's what was different about the different color of dragons you know, they're all attuned to these different elements and to different inclinations as to how they behave. Bartholomew, I think his, since the passing of his father, felt as though the guiding hand that led him to good was no longer guiding him. So the persistence of his intuitions 
had just overcome him from the from a point of him persistently making good decisions into you know kind of getting lost in his old ways one other question since we're talking about your your kind of like your past and the way that you know Bartholomew's mental state has been influenced and has fluctuated over the over the years natively like like you would mention you know these these dragons are natively and biologically inclined to to act certain ways based off of the different you know the clans or in colors of the the scales and dragons with the black dragons being natively evil and the golden dragons being natively good do you think that the disparity there has caused any type of mental issues with Bartholomew just due to the fact that golden dragons are natively the are they are lawful good in nature but having known that by and being taken in by that and then having the exact opposite displayed by just a corrupt and evil individual such as the golden clan elder and then you being someone who has being a paladin being trying to fight off the ways of evil and be good and follow a good path and then having people who are you know natively good and, and you really want to follow that lawful good as you might be able to assume that might be where the golden clan elder or i'm sorry that might be where the golden clan is headed back to with Viceswine in charge now do you think that had any type of effect on how bartholomew viewed other dragons or did bartholomew ever stereotype these other dragon races based off of the what's said about them in the history books just due to the fact that you know that that's not always the case has that influenced bartholomew's path at all and how he's choosing whether or not to give in or continue to fight these urges i think it was really irking at bartholomew's core because it was everything that he was exposed to was contrary to those ideals for the different clans of the of the of the dragonborn so you know like you said the golden clan is fundamentally good and out of the golden clan is where he saw the most evil and he knows that he's a black dragon and black dragons are fundamentally evil and yet here he is trying to be good so bartholomew acknowledges the divide between what people think about the generalizations of groups of people and what is true at the core to what makes a person who they are, what makes a, what makes someone good or evil. And it, it's irking to him because out of the clan of the good is where he's seen the most evil. He wants to be the exact opposite. He wants to be where the where where there should be the greatest evil comes him to be the most good. But the conflicts of his past leave him troubled and unconfident in his resolve that not only can he do this for himself, but he's just not even sure if it's possible. So that's why he's going on this soul searching. You know, all the efforts of good when it when when it came to something that matters, everything up until meeting these friends in this plaza in, the, in his hometown of Neverwinter, did his decisions affect anyone other than himself? And he began to see how his decisions, he tried to influence the world, 
in the way that he intended. But his input wasn't seen in the output. So he, he really needs to understand why someone had faith in him to make him better than what he was and not inclined to his nature. You know, so yes, are there mental issues with Bartholomew? Most certainly. And they are, forgive the pun, but they are quite black and white. He's a black dragon and he's trying to be good, but he's not confident in his abilities to, you know, sway the course in order, in a, in a good way. And he's afraid that his evil nature is going to be his downfall. Do you think that Bartholomew knows or takes any reprieve in the fact that while these bad things may have happened with the intention of good, people like uh, Topher and Hamilton and Benedict, Francis, Chrysalix, these people don't see you as the, the problem, even though things have happened out of your hand that could have been a problem. How do you think Bartholomew perceives the perception that they have? Do you think that he thinks that they are disappointed in him? Or do you think that he thinks that it's, it is what it is and it's happened and we continue to move forward and they don't place blame on you as if they wouldn't, if it had been Topher or Benedict or uh, Hamilton? Bartholomew isn't concerning himself with as much about, you know, what their thoughts are, how they perceive him. He's more in like a self-perceptive mode where he's analyzing his efforts and the culmination of those efforts, the realization of those efforts, and then understanding at some irking level that what someone's intentions are may not ultimately influence the outcome. And knowing that, he can kind of see flaws in people and in their actions where there might not be any. And that's part of his soul searching is to understand a little bit more about how he can kind of be at peace with himself in order to do something good for the world. So it is from the edges of Neverwinter. It's a few days trek to Besigu. And is there any places along the way? Are there, is there any um, things or actions that you would wanted to take between here and there? Um, while you know that you're, you know, Bartholomew is not forgetful of the the task at hand. He's very aware, I'm assuming anyway, he's very aware of the fact that, you know, there are things happening in the world that at any moment could could break and cause, you know, the end of Neverwinter. So being cognizant of that is Bartholomew on a straight quest to Besigu. There's nothing stopping him. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, and and just for note, um, he also has keen mind. So he can recall anything that he's seen or heard in vivid detail in the past month. Okay. So I would say that you're very aware of where you're headed. I would say that Bartholomew has being a, a seasoned aged dragon at this point in his life. He's, he knows how to travel. There's no issues with uh, telling direction, things of that nature. Um, so I would say that Bartholomew makes pretty much a straight straight path right to Besigu. And in a matter of uh, days, he has arrived at the edge of the region. And at the edge of this region, high up on the tree line, as you're looking down over top of 
the lake of Besegu, where you have the town who has its its docks, and half of the town kind of sits over top of the water on these docks. And then you, it's obviously a fishing town. Uh, we'd mentioned before that their culture is based around fishing and it's based around music. It's pretty much the only two things that this town is known for. Um, and then within that town, you can see, you see the lights, you see the hustle and bustle, you see boats on the waters fishing. And then you look around, you see the forest and you recall that forest where you had met the, uh, the drow, you had met Fang and you had met Brutusk on the other side of the river. Um, and as you look up the stream, you know that is the same stream and at miles and miles up that river, that is where the Golden Clan rests. That is where their village is. And as you look down and you look over over the lake and uh, it's quite peaceful, you know, the sun's coming up, you've been traveling for, for days at this point in time, you can see the shoreline where you rested and you had, you shared a fish with this drow from your past. So you just go ahead and head down to Besigu. Yeah, I wanna wanna go in and and I know I know where where Father Cayutha's home was, but I'm not sure who lives there now. So I just want to kind of approach, you know, that home and and see if I see any familiar faces as I'm walking through the town, because um, a, a lot of the some of the carnival hands that worked. Um, we're also musicians from Besegu, so he might he may or may not recognize somebody from his past life. So you head down the mountain and on the uh, the beaten path, and you approach Besegu from the southern edge. And there's a gate. It's an open town. There's no one stopping you from going in and out. It's very very heavily traded. Um, this is actually the town in which right outside where you picked up or were gifted your flute. And your flute is of the highest craftsmanship. So it is it is not uncommon for people to be coming and going from here. So as you walk in, uh, it is a sprawling marketplace at the edges of the town. Um, and you, as you know, Besegu, as you've been here in the past, there is, you know, at, at the entrances, they're very market-like. And as you get further into the town, it's very... Um, it is structured with like perfect square homes. Every house in Besigu looks alike, but it, only for the sake of being able to house as many people as possible within the city. Um, there are some few small abodes and homes like structured outside of the city walls, but most of the commerce, most of the uh, population thrives and lives within Besigu. At the western edge of the town, which is there's a, a high, high wall, 40, 50 foot wall, and embedded in the wall is the church. This is the church that you remember Father Kiyutha being the the head of this church at one point in time, and he is he is gone now. But um, so as you come in, you know where the residential district is, and then you know where the church is. So which way would you like to go? Back to the the house that you had mentioned? Yeah, I'd like to go to the house. Okay. First. Uh, and you would you say that Bartholomew recalls that? where that could be located. Yeah, I would say that he would, yeah. Okay. So as you're walking through the town, it it the streets are very narrow. There's people are shoulder to shoulder walking through here cuz some people are going from, you know, through the middle of the town in the residential area it is the quickest way to get to from one side of the market to the other. Um so as you're walking, you're uh kind of moving through the crowd, pushing people right to right and left, you know, not, you know, just bumping into people and you branch off down a uh, familiar street. Um, 
Now, again, all the houses kind of look very similar, but you approach one of the homes that you believe to have been Father Cayuta's home. And um, again, it is in the middle of the day. It just looks like any other any other house. What do you do? Um, so Bartholomew, he approaches with caution as to not trespass on the current owner's land. And he just kind of wants to scope you know, who is around the house, if there's anyone, if there's any signs of somebody living here, you know, if a house is lived in, you can usually tell. Um, first off, how long has it been since this is kind of your arc with Father Cuyutha? How long has it been since he's passed? I would say he's known Father Cuyutha for over 20 years, but as to when Father Cuyutha died and then became wisps and went into this holy symbol that Bartholomew holds, I don't know. Um, I would probably say within the last five years that took place. So knowing that it had been a few years since the father had passed away, you hesitantly, um, no, you said you wanted to check to see if. Yeah. I wanted to kind of get a a gauge as to, you know, what had happened with his, with his estate after he passed. Yeah. uh, Make a perception check. Eleven. Um, with an eleven, you can kind of see that the house. It looks like any of the other ones. It. You don't know if there's anyone there or not. It looks well kept. You do also know about Besigu that the city does its own maintenance on the buildings. Every every building has to maintain a certain size, a certain shape. They look a certain way, and they they're kept up. So whether or not that building is occupied or not it is natively going to look the same regardless. So I would say, given that, there's nothing on the outside that gives you any inclination that anyone lives here or doesn't live here because they all literally are just houses and no, nothing special about them. Okay, so Bartholomew walks up and knocks on the door. Okay. Um, so you knock, and probably about 20, 30 seconds later, someone opens the door. And when they open the door, it is a female, and it is a dragonborn. Um, they are a blue dragon, and they say, "Hi, sir. Can I help you?" Forgive the intrusion. Someone that meant a lot to me once lived here. His name was Kayutha. He was the priest at the church nearby. Ah, yes, Father Kayutha. I knew him well. Surprised I don't recognize your face. I was an entertainer with the Fates Forge. I know them well. They still frequent our great town of Besigu. Might I have your name, please? Vrago is my name. Of the Blue Dragon Clan. I've been in Besigu for many years. I don't recall you. I am sorry. And whenever she says that, there is another figure that steps out from behind her, and it is a taller uh, male dragonborn, um, also blue. Um, And he doesn't say anything. He's just kind of there and seeing what's going on. After Vrago, you know, introduces herself, um, Bartholomew kind of nods his head, and he says... Thank you for opening your door and for greeting me. My name is Bartholomew. 
Kuyutha lived here, and I witnessed him pass, and since then I left. It saddens me that you don't remember me, but I come here seeking to find people that do. Would you know anyone else of the Fates Forge and where they live? And if they would be willing to sit down and talk. So the door kind of opens up a little further and this other individual steps out and he says, Bartholomew and Father Cayutha passed. All of his belongings were taken as to be respectful to the church. As you might not know, in the church of Besigu, in the basement, they honor the bodies of the fallen. But Father Cayutha body was never found, but its belongings were harvested and taken to the basement, where there is a chamber, somewhat of a tomb, in his honor, an inscription with his name. If you have reason or need to find something, his belongings are there. It is not frowned upon to go through those things, as those things are part of the church. And they are out and about, laying on top of his tomb, as there was no body. The Fates Forge, however, does meet near the church. I don't know what they're doing at this very moment. I'm, I will admit I'm not one for the arts myself, but they are there. So if you go there around nightfall, you will likely see them. I appreciate the information that you have given me. Have a good day. And they, he just kind of nods and the wife, or what you assume to be the wife, says, I hope you find what you're looking for. Bartholomew kind of turns and heads toward the church. Okay. So from where you're standing, the door closes and you can almost see the church because everything is in the very like grid-like pattern. Mm -hmm. And you're standing almost at the center of the town and the church is definitively the biggest building in this place. Mm -hmm. And it is, it takes up probably 30 to 40% of the entirety of the rear wall of Besegu. It is a massive church. And so you can see it clear as day at the end of the end of the end of the row, um, hundreds and hundreds of yards away. Um, so you just kind of take off that direction. And whenever you come to the edge of the houses, it opens up into a sprawling courtyard. And there are fountains and there are, you know, rock inlays in the ground. And then uh, there are kids running all over the place. It's very it's a very joyful town. Um, and you don't see anyone that you recognize. You don't see anything um, that stands out to you about where, if the Fates Forge people are here, it's midday, they're likely off entertaining or doing something uh, to earn their wages. Um, but the church is there. It is huge, huge church. It's all the way at the top. There is a statue of a dragon on the top of the steeple that's looking down over the entirety of the town. And as you know, this is a statue that is representative of Bahamut. So Bartholomew approaches the entrance of the church and he's kind of a little reluctant to go in because he knows how people perceive black dragons and he doesn't want to violate this place of worship for those who might be there for, you know, their own spiritual reasons. So he kind of waits until someone passes and he just wants to try to ask the person, whoever is going into the church, someone else, if um, there would be any concern for him to enter. 
or if there's any reason that he shouldn't. He's just wanting to make sure that he's not, that he's being considerate of, you know, this place of worship for others. So as Bartholomew is standing, waiting, there's someone that walks into the church. And this is a, it's very, they're very tall. They're dark skin tone. It is an elf. And as they pass you, they stop and they turn to you and you hear, you look very familiar. Bartholomew? And it is the drow that you met the one night outside of Besigue. What's his name? Brand. Brand. Um, so I, I, do I recognize him? Oh yeah, yeah, right away. I okay. would, I would say so. This is. Oh, he gave me the, the the flute, so I definitely recall that. Yeah, absolutely. So I would, I would say that you recognize him. Not to mention that was, even though Bartholomew was confident, I would say that Bartholomew likely considered that a near death experience. You know, even though he was confident and was able to fight them and you know hold his own, it was still something that you know you likely would remember remember pretty well. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? So Bartholomew recognizes him as well and greets him with open arms. Goes in for a hand, a big firm handshake. It is well received, and it, he's very surprised. You know, he didn't uh, he hasn't seen you in many many years, and. Uh, And as Bartholomew goes in for the handshake, he says, Brand, it is good to see you. The flute you have given me has some wear and tear. Uh, Brand kind of laughs as he's, he's, he's very overjoyed to see you. And um, he says, Bartholomew, that's great news. I'm so happy to see you here. What? And he kind of just like looks around and stumbles over his words and says, what, what brings you to, to Besigue? I'm, I'm assuming you've heard of Father Cayuta's passing. I'm sorry to tell you if you haven't, but if you're here to see him, he is he has been taken from us. Brand, that is in fact why I am here, although I did know that he had passed away. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to reconnect with those that might know a little bit about him. Do you know of anyone who might fit the bill? Bartholomew, I don't no, do you do you recall the day that we met across the lake? Quite vividly, I almost killed your friend. That point in time, you did. You had you caused him a very serious wound, and he was fine up until the day that he wasn't. Fang, you see. When you had hit him, he had neglected to. It was no fault of yours, Bartholomew. It's been years since then, but neglected to care for his wounds the way that the doctor had told him. They passed on. And they were one of my best friends. And I didn't know how to handle the guilt, not only from my end, because it was my fault for having them where we had them. We shouldn't have been across the lake. It was our job to to guard at night. And it is my fault they were in that scenario. So I I bore much guilt. And due to that, I guess you could say, although very uncommon for a drow, I became very close to the church. 
and Father Cayutha. So if you're looking for someone that remembered Father Cayutha well, I think you're in luck, my friend. I'm sorry for the burden that you have for your lost friend. I somehow feel guilty on my own. Though Bartholomew don't. It was... If he had taken proper care of his wound, if he had taken proper precautions, he would have been fine. While we do miss him, and he was a dear friend of mine, I feel partially responsible as well. But if there's one thing that I learned through the righteousness of Bahamut is that the fault of one comes from the one who causes the fault. It is... It is big of you to accept that of me. I have no ill will towards you, Bartholomew. And if if you would provide me information on Father Cayutha, I would be in your debt. There would be no debt to pay, Bartholomew. Please, come with me. Let us find somewhere to talk. And Bartholomew follows. So, Brand brings you inside of the church, and... There inside of this church, while it is there is a open uh, open foyer inside the church. There are you know rows and rows of chairs in the sanctuary, all the way up to a, a pedestal, very similar to other churches. A massive uh, stained glass um, overlay with a with a blue background and a huge um, dragon, all one singular piece. Uh, overlooking the entirety of the church, casting rays of of blue and black and white and gray and green all over the over the church as the sun is high in the sky above Besigue. And off to the right, there is there are other entrances to the church to allow for people to come from other directions um, within the walls of of the city. As there are many things that uh, happen within there, different marketers and traders and pathways for people to walk. So there are multiple entrances into the church and off to the side, there are different rooms and different meeting rooms and things of that nature. This is a, like I said, it's a huge church and he takes you into one and um, says, Bartholomew, we can, we can talk here, but since you're here to talk of Father Cayutha, would you like to visit the place where he rests? Now, again, there was no body to be found. So, I just want to, I wanted to reiterate because all these people are going to talk about his tomb. They're going to talk about his grave or where his, where he rests, things like that. It's just symbolic. Um, so for, for the listeners and for your sake, whenever they, they're saying that it is common knowledge that there is no body within this tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has, he has gone and left all his belongings behind and there was no, whenever there is a figurehead of a church, in this type of aspect, it there are sometimes situations to where when they die, they are taken or gods call people home, things of that nature. So there's it's not uncommon, or I should say it's probably not uncommon, but it's not unheard of for this to take place where their bodies are not found, where their bodies are, uh, are lost, or they go on these sabbaticals away from the church. And at that point in time, whether or not they're dead or not, that means they have left behind that life and they are gone and dead to that church just for the sake of having left behind their life of um, being a leader and a mentor to people. 
So whether it's symbolic in nature, you know what you saw. You know a father Akayutha's dispersion, I guess you could call it, and his being into your um, and transformation into being whatever did, did happen with your holy symbol. But that being said, these other people don't necessarily know that, but there's a lot of ambiguity around it, but no answers. So they, they resurrected this memorial. So Okay. Well, Bartholomew, when, when Brand asks Bartholomew if he wants to go see his tomb, Bartholomew kind of holds his hand up and, and shakes his hand in a gesture of no. And Bartholomew says, Brand, I forgive the miscommunication, but I'm not here to mourn. I have found peace with Father Cayutha's passing. And I say that and and I'm thinking because, you know, the the lady that I just spoke with, um, the blue dragon in her home and her husband, you know, they told me that no one really knew where Father Cayutha where he where he went. You know, he so that what his body was never found. And when I say this to Brand, I kind of expect him to be a little bit taken aback by the fact that I'm at peace with something that no one really knew anything about. Hmm. Let me, I don't want to just assume and natively just pick up on that. So what I will do is I will roll a check for uh, this individual to kind of see if he's picking up on that. So Bartholomew just tells him that he's at peace with his passing. Okay. And that I'm not here to mourn. Okay. That's a nat 20. So, wow. <laughs> all right, here's, here's how we're going to do this. When you say this, you can tell that he has a bit of, he is not at all taken aback by what you're saying. And he almost natively understands it, which I'm assuming due to what your intentions were there, probably throw you off a little bit, that he is not at all taken aback by this. And he says, Bartholomew, I should have known but it comes of no surprise to me that you know something that no one else does. You always had that connection with Father Cayutha. Did you see him before he passed? Bartholomew literally in his last statement said that he wasn't there to mourn, but kind of lowers his head in a gesture of sadness. And with his right arm, he reaches up and puts his hand down inside of his his cloth tunic that's underneath of his armor, and he pulls out the holy symbol. And he holds the holy symbol up in front of Brand. And he says, Father Cayutha has never left me. So I would say this, this actually transcends what he would be able to tell with a nat 20. I would say that Brand interprets this in a couple different ways. One, it is the fact that you've accepted it, but also I would say given the fact what this holy symbol is and what it represents and the faith that you grew up in and knowing Father Cayutha, Brand knows that Father Cayutha was one with Bahamut and he is a loyal servant and a champion for him. So whenever you say that, that reassures him. And again, now that Brand has uh, Brand has become very much a man of faith due to um, what happened to his friend, I would say that there's 
there's a couple implications there and he he would probably assume not what happened but that you had found peace in what had taken place due to your connection with Bahamut as well. Okay. So I would say that's what his perception of that situation would be. So how does he respond to Bartholomew holding the symbol up and saying that he had never, Father Cuyutha has never left me? He can see that you're past the state of mourning and he can see that you are accepting of it and that you feel as if he, his perception of it being that you feel as if your connection with Bahamut natively being that you're connected with Cayutha as well at this point, I would say that he, he likely moves past it because it's an acceptance. It's a, um, something that's natively just part of you now and on your person at all times. And it's just, it's who you're becoming. So I would say that he likely just moves right into continuing the conversation in the direction that you had originally attempted to lead it. So I would say whenever you, you pull this out, he kind of circles back around you and puts his, puts his arm on your shoulder and um, kind of leads you further into the room and invites you to sit down and says, Bartholomew, you said that you were here for answers and I will do everything I can in my power to, to get you those answers. Um, please, if you have questions, ask. Well, as you may know, I traveled with Father Cuyutha for many years with the Fates Forge and I knew he was falling ill. I think most people did. But I don't mean that he's with me in this symbol in the sense of it being a spiritual. He is physically inside of this symbol. I was at his bedside when it was the worst. I don't know what the implications are of the occurrence, but his body dissolved into wisps of light in the air and they spiraled and they swirled around and they formed this, this image in the air above his bed. And then they, they formed this symbol. This symbol is Father Cuyutha. And after that, I left Besegu. I went to the libraries at Neverwinter to research, you know, what this meant, what, what this implied, what this, why me? Until recently, there have been some events in Faerun that that could bring the demise of our entire world. So now more than ever, I must seek with urgency these answers. Bartholomew, many people in the town and our local historians, you are written into the very fiber of this town and the culture and the religion for natively in the writings of any, any head of the church in Besigu is all of their, their diaries and their journals are full of their daily activities and your name is mentioned. And I don't, I don't mean that there's a cosmic force impressing on the world with your name on it. But what I do mean is 
history was written in the sense that there has been no other time in the history of the church in Besigu, the church of Bahamut, as it rests here, that someone has been taken under the wing of a father to leave the church, to travel with a group of entertainers, to be close to one that he cared about. It is uncommon. So rest assured that these questions are not just asked by you. They're asked by many people here. While your name might be unmentioned or unknown by most people in this town, your story is not. You are a source of mystery. While I can't answer that question for you, that does seem to draw light onto the situation. If, if what you're saying is true and Father Kayutha quite literally dispersed into light and formed that symbol, that's not something that anyone can do or anyone has done outside of the deepest and darkest of magics or miracles. And perhaps it might be what it was. As you know, Father Cayutha in the history of the church was one of the most loyal patrons of Bahamut and preached his preachings. And that might be why he, he went with you, not just for your sake, but many of those people in the Fates Forge, they enter the entertainment industry due to not having any marketable skill. Whether they be a stagehand or not, many of those people have problems, mental blockades, or an inability to find a place. So when Father Cayutha left the church to travel with the Fates Forge, it was heavily speculated that it was a call to his ministry, that there were people there that needed help. As you know, Bahamut is a god of just action. He is a god that is intolerant of evil. But he's also a god of faith. He's a god that demands of his followers. And when Father Cayutha left to travel with the Fates Forge, it was because he was there to help, is the speculation. But if Father Cayutha has been chosen by the hand of Bahamut himself, the implications of what it could be are beyond my understanding. Has the holy symbol shown any magical powers or resonances of Bahamut himself manifesting? It just seems quite odd that... Tell me more. The symbol has magic imbued in it to some level, but through all of my studies, I've been unable to trigger it myself. What truly irks me at the core is when this happened, when Father Cayutha passed on with his last bit of strength he spoke a chant that even me being a dragonborn I did not understand 
Since then, I have searched through many ancient tomes and scrolls filled with jizz of this random barkeep. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was that before or after you started looking through them? (laughs) So I've went through these scrolls and found... I've found nothing but palm trees. I believe this chant that he spoke was... I believe it was a summoning. He spoke it before he passed? As he passed? With his last bit of strength, he said these strange symbols of words that I do not... If I heard them today, I might recognize them. But all the years of have caused my memory to fleet. I've researched and researched into the wee hours of many nights. But I have this this inkling, this I can't shake the belief that he's somehow still here if not him in and of himself, but maybe the remnants of his final decision. And I will, I can't stay long, Brand. I must be honest, I am, am in a very urgent situation right now. Never winter is falling. It seems as though the powers of evil are culminating, and I believe these answers will help me take action. You'd mentioned that Kuyutha went above and beyond to help people by traveling with the Fates Forge. I'm not sure if it's conceit or if it's erroneous of me to consider this, but I believe you are right. And I believe he had plans for me. So, Brand is speechless. Uh, he doesn't really know. This is all very new to him. He's He hasn't been a, uh, a man of faith for more than a few years. Bartholomew, within the remnants of Father Caitha's belongings, he did leave what appeared to be a journal. I've read it. Many of the people of town have read it, and that's how the church has come to craft somewhat of a biography of Kaitha's life, as they do with many of the figureheads of the church. There is nothing out of the ordinary in his journal that led anyone to indicate that there was anything happening beyond his normal duties and his duty to bring everyone to the feet of Bahamut and humble themselves before him. But again, it cannot be ignored that no one other than Cayutha has taken someone under their wing such as you. And I do not mean to be harsh I know this. I'm, trust me when I say this, Bartholomew, as a drow, as someone who's 
comes from a race of natively evil and dark elves who dabble in dark magic. For me, a drow to be dedicated to a god such as Bahamut, it is... many people don't take kindly to it. I would venture to say that I'm in more of a foreign situation as you. But in the eyes of the church and in the eyes of everyone who... in this town, the culture being very centered around Bahamut's teachings and the teachings of those who follow him, a black dragon is very odd. For as you're aware, Bartholomew, just up the river, the Golden Clan village lies. And there lies the heart and soul of dragon kind for good. Just mainly in recent months, but the fall of the Golden Clan elder, I'm sure you heard of that as well. I have. The new leader there has been astounding. He's making all sorts of changes. But in the name of good, in the name of faith, in the name of righteousness, in the name of Bahamut. My point is, Bartholomew, Father Cayutha had many eyes on him for taking someone under his wing, such as a black dragon, is very uncommon. And many people questioned his faith. But anyone who knew Father Cayutha knew that his faith could never be called into question. The most loyal follower to Bahamut. I, I, I bring this up, Bartholomew. I, I, I feel like I'm talking in circles, but the point I'm trying to make here is while there is not any hardline evidence I can give you as to what Father Cayutha's plan was, I don't know anything about any other languages or any chant or anything. I, I am sorry, but what I can tell you is that there has to be a reason. Father Cayutha did not do things unless there was a purpose. And he was a man who was loyal to his faith. And if he had trusted you, and if he had come to you, and he, some would say, quite literally died in your arms and lives with you to this day, you have been chosen by Bahamut for some bigger reason. For that is what Father Cayutha lived his life for. Brand, that is exactly what I fear most. I believe that Father Cayutha, through all of his teachings, through all of his mentorship, taught me something that even I myself cannot remember. Are there any, this may seem odd, are there any methods of consuming any sort of spiritual product that might help me guide myself into the right direction? Some would say yes, Bartholomew. I can't speak to it one way or the other. I've the drow in me tends to want to keep a clear mind. Elves, as you know, are while they boast wisdom and while they boast knowledge, the core of understanding and the core of a mind of an elf is clarity. And I don't know anything about those things. And it is good to see you, Bartholomew. Do you remember Brutusk? I do remember Brutusk. 
Hard to forget. They would know more than I. And they would love to see you, as I have. I know you didn't share the same connection with them as you did with me, but a friend is a friend. A friend to Besigue is family here, as you know, and a friend to Father Cayutha is a friend to anyone. I, my urgency must take me to them immediately. But before I go, Brand, I have one more bizarre question for you. Within the last few months, do you ever remember any noteworthy astronomical events? Such as, I don't know, a whole bunch of meteors flying through the sky? (laughs) The world has seen many of these events as of late Bartholomew. There's been earthquakes, there's been strange flashes of light, but yes, there are Weeks ago, there was the skies turned red. We could have sworn it was the end of days. What is the consensus on these events? What, what do the people believe? What do you believe? We've heard whispers and rumors of, of Ball returning, but if Ball had been returning, the world would have ended. We all know this. We don't, we don't know. We had to assume that Maybe there was a, a, a rupture beneath the earth or a new a volcano had formed or hot now mountains magic had, had dispersed and this was some type of after effect. There's been many rumors that have circulated. But nobody knows and it hasn't happened for weeks. So we go about our lives. What reason is there to concern ourselves with events that are out of our control? Do you know something of these events, Bartholomew? The conflict that I face internal about the truth of my origins and who I am and how I became who I am through the aid of people like Father Cayutha who took me in when they had no obligation to and treated me like no one else would because of my color and because of my heritage. It's caused a struggle within the likes of which can be compared to the power of Ball. So if I am not fighting Ball in the real world, I am still fighting him internally. Know that my plight may not just be internal. Bartholomew, do you, are you saying that is the implication here I'm supposed to draw from this that you've are you involved with this? Is this is this ball? I'm afraid so, old friend. And you can just tell that he has like a, a rush of like cold chills and he just he doesn't know how to process that because that was almost a myth, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to culture, they they had talked about it, but it just was so far off base that they didn't know what what to think. And then Bartholomew, you know, can see his disposition change, and Bartholomew steps toward him and puts his hand on his shoulder and kind of draws his eyes back up to Bartholomew, and 
and says, I do not tell you to share my burden. I tell you so you can, with an understanding of the sense of important, the sense of importance of the blockade, the magnitude of which is like a mountain before me. If there is anything else that you can think of, please let me know. He kind of hangs his head for for a moment and and Bartholomew, his hand's still on his shoulder and Bartholomew just kind of squeezes his shoulder and then Bartholomew turns and walks toward the entrance of the, the church. Bartholomew, wait. Bartholomew stops and turns around. If there was an answer to your question, it could be found in the journal of Father Cayuta. You've seen things and you've opened my eyes just in the past few minutes to things that could change the shape of history as we know it. And I don't know what the implications are. I don't know how involved you are. But it would be in your best interest to have his journal. If Father Cayutha believed in you, then I have no reason not to. His journal rests on his tomb in the basement. It is unguarded, as it is supposed to be public knowledge. So if you would like to take that, I know you mean well, I know you mean good. So I have no qualms with you taking this from the church. I would be willing to provide a distraction if you want to take it to ensure that no one sees you. But there may be information here that you can garner from it. Brand, I appreciate the transparency. And I also appreciate that you believe that my intentions are good. My color often requires me to justify that with my actions. And you have never required that of me. But unfortunately, you might believe I am for good, but I am not convinced. I must find this truth on my own. Father Cayutha, I believe, has already told me. Well, then let me take you to Brutusk. And perhaps the clarity you may gain or lack thereof will show you something that happened that you may have missed or open your eyes. I know you're in a hurry, so come with me. And he walks out of the room. He walks through the church foyer and sanctuary, and he walks out into the courtyard. And now a word from our sponsors. And the town is much unchanged, but his tone has changed. Your tone has changed. And he walks back into the courtyard and across it and into the maze of homes and grid of homes in front of you. And at the point in time where he walks in here and goes a few blocks, it all becomes the same. And after a few feet, are you following him, by the way? I am. I'm following him. 
Okay. After a few minutes, he turns, and then he turns again, and then swings around and pulls a key off of his belt, and then uses it to unlock a door and opens it up, and sitting in the chair in the room, sure enough, is Brutusk. And whenever they see you, they, they leap from their chair, and... They have a they have a smile on their face and they are um, they are delighted to see you and they do recognize you, um, and just to forego a lot of the the dialogue here, uh, Brand goes on to explain they had what they had seen and or what he had seen and um, he saw you at the church. He doesn't go into all the detail, um, but he goes in that he saw you at the church and you know he he talks about how you were here to pay your respects in a way to Father Cayutha. Um, and he mentions that you were in need of his assistance. Yes. I am in, I am in search of a substance that might help me find a spiritual truth within. Do you know of such a substance? He, he has a look on his face. Like he's, he's slightly confused. Um, give me a, uh, give me an insight check here. 21. Okay. So with that insight check, you cl- what you clearly pick up on is the fact that Brand doesn't approve of what is going on. So it's very odd, it seems, for him to be asking this question or, I guess, guiding you to ask this of him. And he kind of does like a look back and forth between Brand and you. And then he says... I do. Is there a particular thing you are trying to uncover? Some of these substances are very unstable, as you probably know, so... (laughs) What are you buying? I believe Father Kayutha told me something very important in the past. I need a way to help myself remember. Recollection... Let me see what I have. And he leans over and his, his, uh, he has like a backpack almost that's sitting on the chair. Uh, or sitting behind the chair against the wall and he kind of swings around and grabs it and throws it up on the table. Um, and he pulls out a couple different things and he, he kind of throws them on the table and there's like little, there's different like little sacks and pouches and, you know, di- with different various plants and mushrooms and herbs and things like that. And he says, when you're attempting to, manipulate your mind to pull information what you're trying to pull is important do you mind me asking what this is in relation to as he knows you were getting ready to answer and this is kind of the attitude he's trying to convey you see your brain works in different ways and when you're processing different types of information there are different or so it's theorized portions of your brain that access that information so again I need you to be honest with me and tell me what it is you are trying to pull from your mind because I could give you something that might work but I also could give you something that could hurt you in a way and I don't want that to be the case so I need you to be forthcoming Before Father Kayutha passed, he said a chant 
the symbols and the words of which I did not understand. I have since read through many scrolls, books, tomes from the ancient library in Neverwinter, and I believe I may have a culmination of knowledge to be able to understand his final message. And I believe his final message to be pivotal, not just to my future, but to the future of Faerun. Hmm. Religion being the trickiest. Bartholomew, I have most of what you need here, but this is somewhat of a concoction that's going to require some know-how. Here. And he reaches down and he pulls out of his pouch. He pulls out three different things. He pulls out somewhat of, it looks like almost like a, a like a cattail, like a, like a brown thick plant and it's kind of feathery. And then he kind of mashes it up in his fingers and then like crunches it up and puts it in this small bag. And then he pulls out this, like um, it's just like a green leaf and he like rubs in between his fingers as it, as it like balls up and then comes in almost like a, uh, he like rolls it up and then like breaks it apart into this. And then he pulls out a mushroom and he throws it in the bag and doesn't do anything with it. And whenever he does, the mushroom kind of goes like, and it's like a dust comes out as he closes the bag and he takes it in his hand and he clenches his, his fist around the top of the bag just to, to make sure it's airtight. And he kind of swirls it around, um, as this bag just fills with this like brown gas almost. And then he kind of takes, takes it and he ties it off and he hands it to you and says, this is almost everything you need. What I am missing is there is a flower. There is a blue and orange flower that grows in the fields above the Golden Clan village. You need it. If you wish this to work, as I have, as I theorize it will work, you need this flower. And take note, Bartholinude, the concoction only needs the petals of the flower. If you put anything other than the petals of the flower in this, it will not work. And it may, but may not be the way you need it to. And he kind of throws it on the table. Bartholinude grabs it and puts it in his pack. And resuming Bartholinude's sense of urgency, he goes in for a big forearm handshake he looks at Brand and does the same, and he walks toward the door. Nobody immediately rushes to stop you, but you do hear Brand say, Bartholomew, I know I've said this already, but I do, I do hope you find what you're looking for. I only hope that what I find brings me forward down the path that I choose. And he kind of he gives you a nod and says, good luck. Bartholomew opens the door and walks out the door. and Barth- Bartholomew, wait, one, one final thing. And he rushes over and kind of grabs the door as you're getting ready to close it. And he kind of steps outside and kind of closes it behind him, kind of putting some distance between you two and the individual inside and says, I know you have other things in your mind, but this thing with... With Ball, need we be worried? Can we do anything to help? You can worry, but it won't do us any good. It's best to approach it with a level head 
and consider your own former thoughts that you needn't worry about something that you cannot control. I do miss Father Cayutha. Pray for him and pray for Faroon. And when the time comes that you are needed, you will know. I trust Bahamut will get us through this. And he kind of nods and then starts to walk back inside. Godspeed, Bartholomew. So Bartholomew starts heading toward the uh, Golden Clan. Um, specifically, um, the fields that um, they were talking about, that, that he needs this flower in order for this concoction to work. Okay. So yeah, so you head out of Besagu to the, on the northern end, and it is, again, it's very suburby. There's a couple houses, and as you get further away, obviously they become less and less uh, dense. And then it's almost immediately met by an edge of forest. And I would say you're relatively familiar uh, with the terrain here, the land, the forest, uh, kind of swallowed up by the river on the edges. And um, it is slightly an uphill trek, not much. Uh, you can see the light um, from the Golden Clan Village as, it, as the sun's kind of setting. Um, and it's not a small village. It's, I mean, the this is like the native... Uh, this is the native land of the Golden Clan. It's it's a large, uh, sprawling area. There, it's a town. They have buildings and uh, watchtowers and um, everything. So it's, but Besigu and the Golden Clan have never had any issues, barring uh, any issues that may have arisen with the golden that particular Golden Clan elder that has uh, since met his demise. Um, so I would say. You know, as I asked you before, is there anything you wanted to stop and do between here and there? Do you just want to make the straight trek? Straight. Okay. So a couple hours pass as this is a couple miles away as you're trekking through this this kind of difficult terrain here in the middle of the forest, dense forest, um, and night's approaching. So, but as it becomes night, you do kind of notice the trees become less dense and you can see and hear town of the golden clan at the peripherals of your site and as you get closer and closer um you become very familiar with what you you were seeing you recall this vividly um the river is to the right of the village um and you're right and it's flowing obviously south down back towards besagu and there at the river, there is the main river that flows down into the, the lake of Besigu, but there is a tributary that meets and divides the Golden Clan village, and it flows up through the middle. And in this tributary, it branches off and kind of creates like a like a horseshoe with the river flowing underneath of it. So allowing for there to be like a segment of uh water that rests like an island around the river. And that is where the golden clan elders cabin and uh his guards are stationed there along with the watchtowers that look out over the rest of the city to ensure that they can alert in the event that there is some type of breach or attack or something of that nature so so am i required to go through the village in order to get to the field it is you don't have to go through the village you can go around it if you'd like um but it is a it is above the village it is to the north of the village my goal would be to go there first. Um, Bartholomew does want to visit Vaiswan while he's here. 
but his priority is this concoction. So I would say, I, I guess I'll leave this up to you. So if we're looking at this in, in the sense of a straight line, it's, you know, you're, you're going from point A to point B and B between those is the Golden Clan Village. You can go around and, you know, it'll take some proverbial time. But do you feel as if Bartholomew would avoid walking through the Golden Clan Village just due to the fact that not everyone there might know who he is. They're, you know, they're very clearly and obviously in a, probably in a state of rebuilding and restructuring uh, after years of uh, tyranny. Um, or at least you hope that <laughs> at Fyswine hadn't taken the same route. Um, wh- what would you do, essentially? Bartholomew knows that he's a black dragon. And the black dragons and the goldens have had wars, you know, throughout history. So knowing that there's only a few in the, in the golden clan who, who not only just know of him, but know that he was a decent person. Some of them, you know, he was bullied growing up. So he doesn't think highly of most of the people that most of the dragonborn that live there. So he will avoid them in order to find this flower. Okay. So you circle around the edge of the village and at, by the, by the time you do this, it is a large city. You do this and it is, it is the dead of night and you, but what you've noticed is that whenever you come to the top of the, the golden clan village, and I guess to the North of the golden clan village, I should say beside the river, there is a sprawling field just as it was described to you. And you don't have any issues seeing these because these orange and blue flowers glisten they they shimmer there is a like a golden uh, glitter that comes off the orange color and there's a like a faint blue light when the moon shines over top of these flowers so it's very obvious and apparent to you where these are and there are no obstacles there's nothing here that's stopping you from going to these it's as simple as walking in and grabbing them so bartholomew just walks up and just grabs one of the flowers and since the flower is both blue and orange she takes some of the blue and some of the orange petals um, off of both of them and then um, unties the top of the bag and drops the blue and the orange petals down into the bag and uses the bag itself as a vessel to crush them up to combine the substances together. Okay. So when you do this, it is it is dark, but the bag, whenever you kind of close it and use your fingers and claws to kind of to rub the bag together, the bag... Again, it's kind of a clearish bag, and you can see inside of it, and this this brown gas and powder, as as it were, before, does turn like a bluish orange and like a purple color, and then it turns green, and then it just becomes like a dust, and it had like a heat to it as this was happening, and now it is it is the heat is beginning to dissipate as whatever reaction had just taken place has completed, and you can assume that this is likely the final state. So Bartholomew takes the bag and holds it up to his face and through both his mouth and his nose just inhales the powder. 